are listening to the Daily Roundup here as part of the Reality Steve podcast. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to go over a little bit of Bachelor in Paradise that I didn't cover in yesterday's podcast. Going to talk a little bit more about the Aaron story that I put up yesterday. A minor addition to the story that happened yesterday as well. We're going to talk a little bit about Survivor. We're going to talk a little bit about the challenge. And we're going to end with more Taylor Swift talk because this ticket thing is just totally out of control. But anyway, we will get to that momentarily. As you know, this podcast is brought to you by Dame Products and including their introductory vibrator, The Dip. Whether The Dip is your first vibrator or the toy that helps you rediscover what feels good for you, it's designed to be unintimidating and to encourage pleasure exploration without shame. So here's what you got to do. Go to dameproducts.com and use promo code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order. That's dameproducts.com, promo code REALITYSTEVE to take 15% off your first order. Also, this podcast brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. Go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve599. That's a new code. Use code realitysteve599 to get $5.99 per meal on your first box, and your first box ships free. So that's greenchef.com slash realitysteve599. Use code REALITYSTEVE599 to get $5.99 per meal on your first box, and your first box ships free. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get started. First off, today's Thursday podcast that will be up in about an hour or two will be with Katrina Badowski. You might be asking, who's Katrina Badowski? Well, she was only a one-night girl on Pilot Pete's season. But you probably remember her entrance because it was quite memorable. She's the one who talked about her hairless pussy cat. She has a Sphinx cat named Jasmine. I believe Jasmine has her own Instagram page. And Katrina is, while she is a only one-nighter from Pete, Pilot Pete season, I have followed Katrina online ever since. Pete season, and I was always interested in some of the things that she was posting about, whether it was her dancing career, whether it was, you know, she did date Chris Bukowski for a little bit, but she's also had some work with, she's worked with the Special Olympics, and I think her story is pretty fascinating. I think she's got a lot of things that have interested me, and I always wanted to reach out to her, and I finally did, and She's the guest uh, on this week's podcast. So check that out in a couple hours. Katrina Badowski from Pilot Pete season. Like I always say, everyone's got a story. Just because they only lasted one episode on the show and never appeared ever again, Katrina is very, very interesting. And a lot of stuff, you know, it's my biggest thing. And I've said it for years. Everyone's got a story. And when you're on a show... And you don't last long, your story doesn't get told. But doesn't make you less important than somebody who lasted longer than you. I think the work that Katrina has done outside of the show is just as important as anybody else who has left this show. And I think it's really cool. But nobody knows her story because, as far as I know, Katrina hasn't done any podcasts. 
and she didn't last long enough on the show to get any sort of major coverage by anybody. So I'm giving her that chance today, and I hope you all listen because I think it's really interesting. So in terms of Bachelor in Paradise, you know, one of the things that I didn't cover in yesterday's podcast, there were uh, there were basically three major stories from Tuesday night's episode to me, and that was the Aaron and Genevieve argument, which then kind of led into the story yesterday that I put out about Aaron, which we'll get to in a second, and then the Gabby and Rachel appearance on the beach, which I thought was uncalled for in terms of what they said. I just think they could have went about it in a different way. But the other thing was the ending of the episode when they had the 90s party, this whole NC, Andrew, and Jasenia argument. And look, <laughs> I can't think of one person who thought that NC handled that correctly. To me, when I was watching it, I thought NC was drunk. I, or at least tipsy, you know? You're not allowed to get plastered on that show anymore. You're It's a two-drink minimum per hour. But to me, she came across as very uh, tipsy and probably played into her emotions being so over the top. I mean, it was... She literally met Andrew the day before. So I just... There's no other explanation... For meeting someone the day before and being that bothered by him having a conversation with Jasenia, who was around longer than her, and Andrew just wanted to go talk to her, but then for NC to come out once and him say, hey, give me a little more time, which he had every right to do, I thought Andrew handled it about as well as he could, and then for NC to come back outside again and basically give him an ultimatum, like, if you want this to happen between us, you will walk away from this conversation right now. And then getting mad at him because he left their catch and toss game. <laughs> like, come on. The whole thing was just, I don't know what NC was thinking. And then just the begging, the desperation of just begging and pleading for him to stay. It just it wasn't a good look at all. And I don't know. I don't follow MC on social media. I don't know what her reaction to the episode was. I don't know what she said, but again, I don't know where they can go to the editing card on that one. We saw her beg for him to stay literally 50 times. She said the word, please. <laughs> like I lost count. I know bachelor data did a post on it and the word please was said more times last night than it has been in any episode, all the episodes combined this season. So that was really bad. And, you know, I don't think NC's a horrible person, but when you watched that last night, were you impressed by anything she did? The way she handled that situation? The way once a Andrew told her, like, look, my mind is somewhere else. Ever since Teddy left, I've just been in a fog, and my mind is still there. Which is fine. He's allowed to have that feeling. But you don't need to beg him to stay 50 times. And just break down like this is the love of your life. You met him the day before. I just, they'll all say that until you experience it, you can't go there and you can't judge us. Yes, I can. <laughs> because that was ridiculous. I don't have to have been on the show to know that 
a guy you met a day before, you shouldn't be begging 50 times to stay. And then when he does decide to leave, literally lose your marbles over him. I'm sorry. That's just my thought on that. The other thing that I thought was kind of ha-ha, funny, chuckle, chuckle, was you know bringing Becca and Thomas back. I get it. They're one of uh, the couples that were successful, quote-unquote, from Paradise. But were they? Again, this is a couple that left Paradise last summer broken up. Now, we know production probably played a role in that and played a role in Becca breaking up with Thomas and we know their story. I think within a week of leaving the uh, beach, Thomas and Becca started talking again and they were back together. But, you know, to, to say that they're like this love story from Paradise, I mean, they technically, if we're, if we're getting into semantics here, no, they weren't. They left the couple broke, they left the beach broken up last year because Becca broke up with him. So again, they're really taking liberties with these, with these couples, Jared and Ashley earlier this season. Now Becca and Thomas, like yeah, they're successful post show. And while Becca and Thomas did meet in Paradise and probably have a few good memories there, they also have one giant bad memory, and that's her breaking up with him. So I just find it comical that the show just keeps harping on these couples that weren't as successful as they want us, the audience, to believe. Now, moving on to the Aaron story that I posted yesterday on the podcast. I briefly talked about it in yesterday's daily roundup, but then I said, hey, in a couple hours, it's going to be up on the site. For those of you that didn't go check it out, check it out yesterday. It is a breakdown between two women whose names uh, I created as Amy and Beth, and um, they were both seeing Aaron leading up to him leaving for filming. They kind of knew about the other one, but had their suspicions that maybe something was going on. Well, Beth reached out to Amy to tell her, hey, there was something going on here. I just wanted you to know. Then Amy tells her, oh, he only told me you were just a friend. And then Beth told Amy, yeah, that's what he told me about you. So seven screenshots of their Instagram DM conversation. And, you know, you see how that went, and it pretty much shows that Aaron got caught with his pants down, literally. But, yeah, just lying to two women going into the show, and then we see how he treated Genevieve on the show, and it's just like, okay, the guy's phony. The guy never had any intention of ever being with Genevieve, yet, again, he's allowed to go on the show, he's allowed to have fun, he's allowed to do whatever he wants to do, but it's really shitty to treat the two women pre-filming the way he did, Amy and Beth, and then to go down to Paradise... Clearly, with never any intention of leaving engaged, leaving with a girlfriend, leaving with someone to date, it was never in his head because of what he was telling Amy and Beth before he went down pre-filming. And then to get down there on the beach, to treat Genevieve the way he did, to talk to her the way he did, to say not only is he not falling in love with her, he is in love with her, and then starting a fight the next day and essentially breaking up. I mean... It's just, it's all out there. He's been exposed. And, you know, I just think that people need to take that into consideration when they want to talk, I don't know, highly of him. I don't know how you can at this point. Even if I didn't even present the Amy and Beth situation, just the way he's acted this season and his argumentative nature and 
the fact that he can never admit that he's wrong about anything as minute as, you know, injury versus pain or itching versus pain. It's just, my gosh. However, um, the story ran yesterday and someone reached out to me again. No, not, not a third girl, but somebody who reached out to me in the San Diego area who happened to take a picture back in May, about two or three weeks before he left for filming of Aaron at dinner in San Diego back in mid-May at Island Prime. And this person just happened to remember they had this picture on their phone and then they read my story yesterday and they're like, oh, by the way, I took this picture back in mid-May, um, like gave me the date and the timestamp and said it was at Island Prime in San Diego. And actually, if you go on Aaron's Instagram account right now to May 18th, You'll see it's it's in a four-picture collage, but the first picture is him just at a restaurant smiling into the camera. Clearly, the person sitting across from him at the table took the picture. Well, this person who emailed me yesterday saw Aaron with a woman. They were holding hands at the table the whole night, and it's the same shirt that he's in in his picture on his Instagram feed right now on May 18th. And it is when they sent me the picture they didn't know because I haven't shown you the faces of either Amy or Beth. The picture is with Amy. And (laughs) so I sent that to Beth and I'm like, Hey, someone just sent me this. What do you think? And she's like, that is so funny because on May 17th, when the picture was taken at Island prime in San Diego, she said, I left out of town that morning on May 17th to go back East And look at him. That night, he was already at Island Prime with Amy. So, again, just look, I'm sure there's more instances because you saw their conversation. He was playing both of them and saying the other one meant nothing. And yet the second the second Beth went out of town, here's Amy with him at Island Prime. And the second Beth went out of town. Here's Amy with him, hanging out with him for the weekend. Like, this is, it seems like Aaron has an issue with, he just can't be alone. He really has to have somebody there and has to have a female body at all times. And, you know, it's sad. And it's sad he has to treat the women this way. And it's sad um, that he has to get validation that way. And it's sad that he can't argue correctly with, with a woman especially a woman that he claims to care about so much and claims to be in love with. And that's the way he talks to them and that's the way he treats them. So, look, I don't know what's going to happen. He's clearly with Amy now. It is kind of funny and it is kind of ironic after reading what Amy said about him in the screenshots of the Instagram DM messages that Amy and Beth had. She clearly got suckered back in. He probably gave her the whole song and dance that most people who are abusers in a relationship do never going to do it again. Don't believe any of that stuff. I'm so sorry. You know, I don't know. I can't, I'm not gonna put words into his mouth, but I just, the pattern here is obvious what's going on. And you know, I feel bad for Amy. I really do. Like I know people criticized her yesterday for, I can't believe she took him back, but (laughs) look, Beth even told me, like, yeah, I, I get it. I was there, too. Like, you would just get in these fights, and all of a sudden, you would just forgive. Um, So, 
Um, you know, my opinion is Amy's going to find out the hard way. She's going to be just one of his other victims and, you know, not a victim in a physical way. I'm just talking about just another victim where he's just going to cast her aside when some new shiny toy comes along. I mean, that's just, that's what this guy's MO is. And it's unfortunate. I, I, I don't wish that upon anybody. I wish Aaron would kind of grow up and realize you don't treat people that way, but you know, I've got 20 years on the guy. I think I can speak a little bit more uh, on this than than he can. And he's clearly shown his ass, and he got exposed. And I hope he does something. I hope he changes his behavior. He's never going to answer to me, but for his own sake, I hope he does change his behavior and just do better because this is not going to get you anywhere, man. I'm sorry. All right, let's talk a little bit about Survivor from last night. I've got a couple questions. As we saw, James and Ryan were the two that were eliminated on Survivor last night. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen Survivor. They had a double elimination last night during the immunity challenge. They split the teams up into pairs of five, and two teams of five, and there was a winner from each one. Those people got immunity, and the one who lasted the longest, it was one of those endurance challenges, they got to that that team of five got a reward, and that was uh, Cody's team because Cody won and lasted the longest in the endurance. He beat Carla. So the other team went first, and they ended up blindsiding James, who had a knowledge of power advantage. However, this came up in conversation, and it went on EW.com last night and read Dalton Ross, and basically because Noelle used her steal a vote, James could not at that point have then gone to Noel and said and used his knowledge of power. He had to use his knowledge of power before Noel announced that she was using her steal a vote for it to be in use. Because people were asking, like, well, when Noel said I want two votes, why didn't he use his knowledge of power? He couldn't. He had to he had to announce that before. So they blindside James. Now, James, interesting character. I always felt like when I heard him talk, it sounded like he was talking into a fan. And I don't know if that was just, it very well could be uh, the drying out of the vocal cords because of where they are, probably not enough water, and it could be it. But did any of you get the same feeling about James? Like it, it, it sounded like his voice was cracking or he was talking into a fan every, every time he spoke. And I think that would probably had something to do with the elements. I mean, obviously everyone else is out there is dealing with the elements, but I guess his voice didn't take to it because there were times where it didn't sound that way. But yeah, he ended up, um, you know, getting blindsided and going straight to the jury. So Janine and James are on the jury and then they blindsided Ryan for the most part. And Ryan got sent home and now your jury is Janine, James and Ryan. So good episode of Survivor. Uh, I think it was a smart move to blindside both of those guys because, well, I mean, it looks like next week we just now have a free-for-all of who's running the show and who's going to get eliminated because who, who even knows at this point? A lot of people think um, Cody and Jesse are the two running the show now, so now they're thinking of getting them, And but who knows what's going to happen. This show changes up all the time. As for the challenge last night, uh, a good episode, but again, <laughs> boy, Michelle and Jay not doing themselves any favors. Like, like I get it. When you have to nominate four teams every week, you win a challenge. Like, I'd almost, 
I'd almost, if I was in that house, I'd almost tell my partner, like, look, we can't win. We can't win the daily challenge. Let's not try and win. Let's put out a good effort. Let's not just sit there and do nothing and totally just blow it. But it's almost like a curse to win that thing because you have to nominate one-third of the house and put them up for nomination, and that can't be a good thing. So they obviously had issues with Laurel and Jack and then with with um, Anissa, and I just I, I can't. Yeah, they, they end up putting Anissa and Jordan in. Johnny and Nani, uh, Bananas and Nani pull the safe sword. So that means obviously Nani was going to save her girlfriend, Casey. And so Laurel and Jack had to go in against Jordan and Anissa. And we all knew where that was going. There was no way Jordan was going to lose this early in the game. That guy's a beast now. So, but everyone's like Michelle and <laughs> Jay are are dead. Like, if any challenge that they don't win for the rest of the season, I got to believe they're going to be one of the four. So the only way they're not going to be in the zone is if they pull a safe um, sword. Seemingly. I I can't imagine any other reason why they wouldn't be. So they're going to have their work cut out for them. But Jay's very good. Remember, Jay beat CT in a challenge one time. So I, I wouldn't sleep on them but and they've won back-to-back daily challenges but the second they don't win a daily challenge they're going in as one of the four it's just a matter of if they end up in the zone ultimately and i want to just end with this i talked about the taylor swift tickets yesterday my gosh my tiktok for you page is nothing but 18 year old girls literally crying talking about how they couldn't get Taylor Swift tickets and they were in the queue and they got all the way to the end and then they purchased their tickets and they even hit purchase and then it said, oh, sorry, someone else took these seats and then they went back in and purchased other ones and it's nothing but that. It is crazy. And no, I don't think Ticketmaster handled this well at all. But look, this is a woman who had the highest grossing tour in 2018 with Reputation. 2023, she's going to have the highest grossing tour easily with the Eras Tour. It's all about supply and demand. She hasn't toured in five years, and she's still one of the hottest artists in all of music. So, yes, the demand for these tickets is absolutely, unequivocally insane right now. I've never seen anything like this. Now, granted, I don't go to a ton of concerts, but I know what I, I know when I went to 1989 in Reputation, I bought my tickets fairly easily, after the fact, after all pre-sale stuff had gone through. Now, they go to the, on to the general public tomorrow, but my gosh, this is a free-for-all. And I guess the only way to lower the prices is everybody just wait. These people who are putting out these ridiculous prices, $1,500 for 100 sections in these stadiums, if nobody buys them right now, and as we get closer and closer to those those nights, those people are going to want some money. They're not going to keep it at $1,500 if they're two nights away from the concert and their tickets still haven't sold, they basically bought them for face value, you know, two, three, maybe 400 bucks. They're just wanting to rip people off and gain a, a huge, huge markup. And if just nobody buys, if nobody buys these crazy ass prices right now on Ticketmaster and SeatGeek and StubHub, they're going to come down. It's just, they, they have to, these people aren't going to eat their tickets or then just say, oh, I'm just, I'll just go. No, they want to make a profit. 
but you just need to make them make a less profit than what they're looking for now. So that's my advice to everybody. I'm going. I just don't know which city, if I'm going to more than one city, and how long I'm going to wait, but I'm definitely going. So I've already set aside a budget of what I want to pay, and I'll just kind of take it from there. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Like I said, a couple hours, Katrina Badowski from Pete, Pilot Pete. I keep saying Pete, and I want to say Pilot Pete. Katrina Badowski from Pilot Pete Season uh, is coming up in a couple hours on your Thursday podcast. So thank you all for tuning in, and we will be back tomorrow with another Daily Roundup. See you!